going on everybody it is another episode of the follow-up on the what do i do now podcast um i'm really excited about this and get to talk to my brother again collins petaway the third and this is gonna be a great time i'm really looking forward to it and i hope that you can take something away from this what's going on what's going on bro you're looking blessed looking wonderful sir well, well, you know, you, you said Instagram Live, so you know I had to, <laughs> I had to, I had to come up with some, some real quick, bro. Okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right, so um, for those that don't know, um, I do have my own podcast. Still in this first season, it's called "What Do I Do Now," and I talk to a lot of people um, about their various um, experiences. And with the episode that I did with Collins earlier this year, it was based on service and how. He's come from a political background, forging forging his own lane in other avenues. And I really just want to uh, chop it up with you and um, discuss a few things since, you know, the original episode and what have you. Just picking up where we left off, now that we've, you know, seen the trial, the, the you know, <laughs> impeachment part two, and yesterday, unfortunately, you know, the votes were there, but not the overwhelming majority needed. The two-thirds majority needed to get, have Donald Trump actually formally impeached. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, I have to be honest with you. I definitely was not surprised. Okay. Uh, it, was, it was expected, but I will say the disappointment still is, is definitely going to be the same. You know, um, what happened on January the 6th is definitely going to be a day, in the words of what uh, President Truman has once said, will forever live in infamy. And um, it is going to go down in the history books. The one thing that I appreciate, and I think we have to applaud those House impeachment managers for doing, is they went on record, videos, everything. Video. They they literally recorded everything. They they presented everything from the top all the way to the bottom, and it went on public record. And so, <laughs> no matter how people might try to whitewash that history, no matter what may try to be reconstrued in any particular way. The fact of the matter is January 6th, in the way that the House impeachment managers recorded it, that is what's going to be recorded in history. That is what uh, will always be remembered. And the thing we just have to remember is history is never kind to moments such as this. And if you act, th think about what's happening now, Think about how there, is, there are these movements to remove names off of Confederate, uh, Confederate statues, move, right. removing Confederate statues. You know, we're looking at changing school names, even the flag, all types of, all types of changes that's, that, that are hap that, that's happening because of as we grow and as we read, we, we read better. When you read more, you, you learn better. When you learn, you start to ask questions, you ask questions, you get answers. And when you get answers, you start to do something about it. And so it is unfortunate what happened. Um, and I have, I have so many comments about that, but I will just say it, it is very unfortunate. And the one thing I will say about our Republican leaders is that you can't, you can't have it both ways. I said this about Mitch McConnell. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot exactly. sit here on record and say that the president was responsible for inciting a riot, but yet you did not want to be the one to cast that vote. But you were also the same person who agree that the Senate can handle it, but then you come back and you say, well, you know what? No, maybe not. It doesn't work like that. You cannot, you know, our uh, democracy doesn't work like that. And right. so, you know, you can't necessarily escape the fact that you have to be held accountable for that. 
and you have to be the one to hold them accountable. That's the job that you took when you became the Senate majority leader, when you run for the Senate, you know, leadership comes with accountability. And so you can't have the responsibility of making the decisions without the accountability of what, can, what comes after that. And speaking on accountability, especially here in the state of Georgia, where we have our new district DA here in Fulton County, um, she is going to be handling the Trump situation where he called the Secretary of State. Um, also, they got to include Lindsey Graham because he also made a phone call to the Secretary of State looking for votes that either they just felt like were being lost or being flipped, and ultimately that never showed up. Um, how, how are you maneuvering through that aspect? Because the national aspect is okay, he got off, but do you think we're going to see some type of, I wouldn't say vindication, but some type of actual justice in that regard? First of all, let me just go on record and just say Lindsey Graham is trash. I have said it. <clears throat> I just want to say that. Lindsey yeah. Graham is full and complete trash. I've said yeah. it on Twitter. I've said it on Instagram. I've tweeted him directly. Um, I've got some colleagues that live in Columbia, South Carolina, and we, we discuss situations uh like this lindsey graham is complete he, he's trash and i truly hope that there will be a day where we can get lindsey graham out of office and so mm -hmm. you know the fact that there is now there there are now uh evidence and there there are things that's coming to light that's saying that lindsey graham may be may have been involved in this it makes you also think and it makes you wonder okay maybe this is why he's been riding so hard for trump because even now mitch mcconnell is sort of still um, you know, the president is responsible. Lindsey Graham is one of the few senators that still believe otherwise, and he's been preaching that otherwise. And so, you know, convicting Trump and legally, you know, legal pursuit against Trump may also mean legal action against him and legal action against so many others who are involved in, you know, this, uh, this, you know, what happened on January the 6th. And yeah. even before, even before then of what happened in Georgia. So from a standpoint where a lot of people may not know this about George is like only one person has to know that the call is being recorded. And the thing is, like, if you got all your lawyers on the phone, you're under the influence that someone's going to be recording this. So why do you think people or not people, the the Republican side are just like, oh, well, we'll wait. All the facts come out and this that, and the other. I'm like, bro, we have you saying that. I mean, can you if you can find eleven thousand some hundred odd votes and just you know make me win by one what I, I, can you comprehend um like their logic in trying to break down the or not follow the same rules that ultimately they set in the first place well i think the thing about it is if you look at it and you can i can i can identify with this because i'm i live in the south alabama is just as you know uh it's just as conservative as georgia still is in my opinion uh, oh yeah still it's still is. a bible belt that didn't change right. right absolutely and so um if you the fact that you were comfortable enough to say this on a government line knowing good and well it's recorded that honestly tells me that this may not have been the first time that it's happened and this may not have been the first time that you were comfortable enough to call the secretary of state to say x y and z and so now that it's out there into the public eye, in a culture where it's looked, where voter suppression is being looked at under a microscope, in a culture where voter fraud 
where racism, where there are so many tools against uh, African-Americans that's being looked at under a microscope, you want to say, oh, well, we need to see the evidence. We need to see the evidence, although we know the evidence is there. The problem is you're not concerned about being con being found guilty for this crime. You're probably concerned that you're going to be found guilty for crimes that happened before the uh, the January of uh, the January fifth uh, election. Mm -hmm. January fifth, yeah. All right, so we'll switch gears real quick. Um, okay. In this impeachment uh, process, we actually found out that obviously Eugene Goodman is literally the reason why the world is safe. Like him personally, him by himself, you know, making sure that, you know, the crowds came towards him instead of the chamber whose doors weren't closed, but also leading back um, uh, Mitt Romney. Right. Like to making sure like, hey, you need to get somewhere like he's saving so many lives. How does that feel in Black History Month to understand that? OK, it wasn't just a one off thing. And it's just like by happenstance, this man was in hero mode from start to finish. Well, you know, I always feel that black people have been the saviors of the world since the, the beginning of the world. You know, let's right. just be clear. Um, first of all, my hat goes off to my hat goes off to Officer Gene Goodman. Um, the bravery that he that, that that he exuded on January the sixth definitely should be commended. But then the fact that he the fact that he almost risked 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 his life. Mm -hmm. It just makes me sad that those same leaders that he almost died for still decided to let the president go and they still voted to acquit him. That is still unfortunate and that is still um, disappointing because it was almost as if he wasted his time, which it would not be the first time that, you know, black people in this country, we work for nothing. Um, and so listen, I'm all for giving Officer Goodman his flowers because um, for me, that definitely means so much for, uh, you know, for black people. We are consistently and we are constantly working for building up and saving and providing for a country that still does not appreciate us. Providing for a country and educating and saving con this country that still treats us as if we're property, that looks at us as if we are less than. And so, the fact that he was bold enough to do that and they still voted to acquit the president, the former president, um, that is, it's disappointing and it's heartbreaking, honestly. But I do want to encourage Officer Goodman to listen, we see you, we appreciate you, and he is literally a role model for so many people out there. If I even had half the bravery that he had, you know, um, just shout out to him. Definitely. All right. So going locally, is there something in Alabama that it should be like national news? Is there something that's going on in your area that I need to be privy to? Oh, man. Um, I think we talked about this. I don't know. If we talked. I, I can't remember. If we talked about this at the end of uh, a, week, a while back. But so we are preparing for in a couple of weeks uh, the uh, bridge crossing jubilee celebration that's okay. actually going to be coming up uh, the first weekend of March. So it's going to be completely virtual. And what the bridge crossing jubilee is, in case for people who don't know, the bridge crossing jubilee is a celebration that takes place at the first weekend in March that commemorates the Bloody Sunday event that took place on March 7, 1965. 
and Bloody Sunday is the day when uh, marchers, dis marchers decided to march from Selma to Montgomery after the death of Jimmy Lee Jackson in Marion, Alabama, to uh, to uh, protest for their right to vote. But they were met on the other side of the bridge with troopers on horses and billy clubs and were pushed back and beaten, bled, and uh, one or two may have even died, possibly. And so uh, because of that day, and then because of what came out of that day, which uh, ended up ultimately being the signing of the 1965 Voting Rights Act, there is a celebration that takes place each year. So now the Jubilee this year is going to be completely virtual. But okay. one of the hottest topics that everybody's talking about is the obviously the name of the Edmund Pettus Bridge. I'm pretty sure that's what you were probably wanting to go to. Um, there we go. And that's that's been one of the biggest topics of changing the name of the uh, of the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Uh, and it became even a larger topic after uh, Georgia Representative John Lewis passed. And so that's it's been a pretty hot topic. Uh, what has happened most recently is our state senator for this area, Senator Malika Fortier, she has most recently uh, announced that she will be presenting legislation not necessarily to remove Edmund Pettus's name off of the bridge, but uh, the legislation would actually give the powers to change the name of the bridge back to the local lawmakers, such as herself, uh, our state representative. It'll, it'll allow the citizens of Selma to have a choice in changing the name, in deciding what the name is going to be, whether you want the name to stay the same or whether you want the name to change either or, the choice should always be within the Selma community. And so that's where we are right now with that is um, we are simply just waiting to see, um, you know, as far as where we're going and, you know, when that when that bill would be presented. We don't know when it is going mm -hmm. to be presented just yet because they just uh, the state legislation just started back session. But they are there. There is preparation. There is preparation for that bill to be presented. This was now. This was, of course, a little over a week ago, and so um, we're just simply just waiting for time. You know, time will tell. Definitely. All right, and especially when it comes to renaming um, things that stand out in history, like it's going to be the Edmund Pettus Bridge, regardless. I feel like that because of the history behind it. Even though it, like the person that is named after, doesn't in history their name doesn't stand the test of time. Just as here in Atlanta. They're changing a lot of things with Henry Grady's name on it. There, there's a statue, you know, downtown with him in the middle of, uh, I believe that's Marietta Street, right outside these windows. Um, they've changed uh, Grady High School to Midtown High School. They took the Grady Stadium, the name off Grady Stadium. It's like right now we're in a state of where people are understanding, like, we really shouldn't be recognizing these people at this point in time. They, why should these people, you know, still be prevalent in today's society, um, how do you can, can like? I, I, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I guess you're about to ask me the question I was about to speak on. I do want to speak on that. Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> some things, in my opinion, some things can be remembered and some things can be elevated. And so, I do believe that nothing should be forgotten. As dark as our Confederate history in the South was as dark as some of the Confederate history that is still sort of seeping around in some of these southern pockets of Alabama and Georgia and Mississippi and Tennessee. Um, it is still, unfortunately, history. And so I do believe that it should not be forgotten because we need to know what happened. We need to, people need to know 
that Selma was also the home of the Battle of Selma, which was the last major battle of the civil rights, uh, of the Civil War. People don't know that. People also don't know that because of the, how the Battle of Selma ended, that's where General Robert E. Lee surrendered to the Union. And that what, you know, and that's what ended the Civil War. And so people do need to know that. And so I, I do want to just keep in mind as we take names off, because I do agree that um, we don't need to be glorifying these uh, Confederate generals, these persons who were also who also moonlighted and some of them daylighted as Ku Klux Klan uh, <laughs> generals and organizers. We don't need to highlight them, but we do not need to forget them. And so there, are, there has to be a way for us to ensure that our children know their history and but also have some pride in who they are. And so, um, and I say that about the Edmund Pettus Bridge here in Selma. Um, you know, when the movement first came about, I definitely had always been one of those people that I said, you know what, no, I'm not for the change. Um, but I do understand the polarizing state that we are living in right now. And I definitely do think that it is time, I definitely do think that we are overdue for that conversation of whether or not we need to take Edmund Pettus' name down. I recently submitted an op-ed to the Montgomery Advertiser um, asking for the legislation, the state legislators to consider preparing to change the name down because I do think that it is time, but the how we do that is going to always be key and it's going to always be important because you want to ensure that, uh, you want to ensure that we're edifying the right thing, but you don't mm -hmm. want to forget at all. Because right. we, we can't forget. We should not forget. Because if you forget it, you're going to find yourself in that same situation, you know, all over again. Yes, definitely. Um, going to a standpoint of moving in the right direction comes at a cost. Here in Georgia, what we're seeing some of our state legislators and they've already met back at the House is that they're trying to change voting requirements. They, they didn't like how this absentee ballot didn't work so well. They didn't like, they don't, they're not in favor of that in from an area that you know the civil rights movement is that's one of the destinations in regards to where things change and where things happen and that you know sparking the voting rights act what does that make you feel like because we made a change like the state is officially quote-unquote blue and things of that nature but how are you trying to or have you seen anything in your area that's just like are they changing voting requirements because Again, the vote is the most powerful thing we have as regular citizens in the United States. Not everyone's going to run for office, but we can choose who we want in office. So now that they're, you know, seeing what happens, they say Abrams Fair Fight Organization and this, that, and the other, they're trying to find a roundabout way, like, no, nah, can't do it this way anymore, can't do it that way anymore. Um, with moving the finish line, how are you interpreting that and how are we, you know, is, is that happening in Alabama? Did you see anything that's changed since the election? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so change, the changing of voter requirements is not new. That's not something that um, just recently happened. You saw, you know, we saw the changing of voter requirements. Um, I first noticed it in 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if people actually remember that little history lesson uh, when there was the, the Florida recount. Part of the reason it was such a huge deal because there was a there was a huge influx to get people registered to vote. But then all of a sudden, the state of Florida purged the road and all of those uh, formerly incarcerated individuals who had recently registered to vote, their name had suddenly been taken off of the road. 
and off mm-hmm. the voters list. And so you had a huge issue of people um, not being counted and their votes not being counted or not being able to even vote because of um, because of what happened. And then the same thing happened again in 2008. It happened again in 2012. We saw that was the reason in Alabama they came up with this law that you had to have some sort of a voter ID. Before then, you didn't need a voter ID. You just needed, you could have brought a piece of mail. You could have brought um, anything that had your name on it, a bill, a utility a utility bill. Uh, I, I I know someone who even showed their gun license before. Uh, it's the South. You, you, yeah, you're going to have one. <laughs> and so you, you didn't used to have to do that. You didn't need that at one point. But now um, there are these, there are these crazy rules. I remember just one time when I was still living in Huntsville before I moved home. And um, I lived in Huntsville for about 15 years. I never changed the address on my driver's license. I kept my driver's license address to sell them. Um, no matter how long I lived up there, I just never felt like I needed to move my driver's license uh, information to Huntsville. And obviously the the laws in Alabama state that you just need your picture ID. doesn't matter what kind of picture ID it is. You just have to have your picture ID. And at one point they were trying to push me off of the roll because I did not have the address that I was registered to vote at. And mm. if, you know, only because I am who I am and I know what I know, you know, I didn't let it go down like that. Of course but, not. But there are so many other people who possibly could have dealt with that same situation. Um, you know, not trying to sound biased, but, you know, unfortunately, these were white people running these polling places. Um, and so I also want to just lift up not just why it's important that we vote, but it's important that we are in these places of influence. We need more black poll workers. We need more black poll watchers. We mm-hmm. need more black volunteers. When it comes to these training sessions, we need more people that look like us in all of these places. Stacey Abrams has preached this over and over again, and she's only been preaching what some of us have been saying for years, even before she decided to run for governor. Then there have to be more people like us in these places of influence. You know, you you feel a lot better seeing someone who looks like you at the polling place versus someone who doesn't. And they're already, you know, they've already written you off. Oh, you know, or, or find, or they're already find some reason as to why you can't vote or as to why you will not be on the road. And so, yeah, Sam, this is not new. None of this is new. Um, we've seen, I've seen laws. Matter of fact, actually, most recently, the Secretary of State just recently sent out a a, a, a notice to everyone to say that uh, check your mail because they were resending out. They resent out our voter card voter identification cards. And they did that because apparently there was some change that went down to the roll. And the funny thing is, we don't know what the change is, but we do but we do know he did something. And okay. so, you know, as we wind down from this election, the mistake that I think that we make is we wait until the next election to try to make changes and try to make movements. And see, they are already making the changes now. And so, it's so important that we try to stay on top of it now so we won't be caught off guard in 2022 when it's time for the midterm elections. That, that is so important that we stay we stay on task. And I think this midterm election, like I, we've and the thing is, especially when it comes to voting, they always say this is the most important election of our lifetime, this, that and the other. But I think this midterm election, it really could swing either way because there's not really a consensus on who's going to take the leagues. At the end of the day, what I've read earlier was that. Trump's 
the daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, might be running, and because he wasn't convicted, it's like that's going to be a boost for the Republicans. Like they, the, the witch hunt continues, and this and that, and it's just like, what more can we do? I know it's the to turn the numbers out, or I'm hoping people are understanding like their vote absolutely carries a weight, and it can swing things into a different direction. But when it comes to situations such as that, where the last name is going to be what they vote for. I don't know her personally, but I know that last name is going to carry her off name recognition. That's the reason why there's some families that are career politicians. That's just what they do, and they don't really have to do much. Just make right. sure you don't, you know, get caught up in anything. But what's what's your uh, thoughts and opinions on that? Um. Yes. No. Yeah. You are. You are right. That name recognition is going to mean a lot. That's why it was so important that the either the Senate needed to convict or Congress or a uh, Vice President Pence and the cabinet needed to either yeah, they needed to either try to convict or invoke the 25th Amendment to ensure that Trump was immediately effectively removed from office and not just simply removed from office. But um, and I don't know if people knew this, but the impeachment proceedings was more than just him being convicted by the law. But if he was convicted as he should have been, he mm -hmm. would actually have not been able to run uh, for, 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 for any public office. Anyone, anyone of his lineage would not have been able to run for public office, as well as other amenities that past presidents still get. He would not have been, he would not have access to any of those. And so, um, that's why it, it goes back to the basics. We have to know better. If we know better, we can be able to do better when it comes to the, you know, the Trumps and the Lindsey Graham's descendants, the Mitch McConnell descendants, the Josh Hawley descendants, the Matt Gates descendants, the Marjorie yep. Taylor Greens, heaven forbid. And so um, we have to we have to find a way to educate ourselves and Literally, the more we educate ourselves, the more we know better, we can we can fight against this and call me the optimist in this, you know, but I just really believe that we are in the place that we can educate ourselves to to a better to a better place and a better society. I, I'm I'm in 100 percent agreement that we can do that. All right. So getting ready to wrap up, um, I definitely want to bring up the idea of what the future holds for black history in this moment. Cause I know, you know, you, you've been doing a lot of posts on, you know, different, you know, things, things in black history. And if those that are watching right now or listening, definitely make sure you follow uh, Collins on social media because every day this month, he's dropped a brand new person um, with something that even I didn't know. There's people that I'm just like, Oh, I know. Wait, I didn't, you really do a great service in making sure we know the history but what are you thinking that it could potentially look like moving forward? You know, when February's to come, like. Well, I think we we have to really appreciate Black History Month for what it is. That's the first and foremost thing. Carter G. Woodson started Black History Month, which originally was Negro History Week, mm -hmm. because he knew that there was such an attempt to whitewash our history. Dr. Woodson knew that there was um, so many attempts to not essentially allow our history to be told in the way that it, you know that it needed to be told and so you know 
through the platform of Omega Sci-Fi, he was able to launch Negro History Week that went worldwide, nationwide, that eventually turned into Black History Month. And it was done in February, essentially because it was done in February, essentially because of the presidents, you had a President Abraham, you had a President George Washington and uh, Frederick Douglass birthdays are also uh -huh. in in the month of February. Side uh, note, I didn't know this until recently that Frederick mm -hmm. Douglass didn't know his own birth date, so he just picked February 14th as his date of birth. Correct. He Unbelievable. Then, you yeah. And you have to remember Frederick Douglass taught himself how to read. And I actually I actually use Frederick Douglass as the best example for Black History Month because he taught himself how to read. When he learned how to read, he learned how to comprehend. When he when he was able to comprehend, he started asking questions. When he asked questions, he got answers. When he got answers, he got mad. And so the thing is, it's so important that we preserve our history in the best way possible because of things that we're seeing right now. You know, um, it, people sometimes don't even believe the accomplishments that Black people did. Even, the, even some of the smallest accomplishments to something small, such as the traffic light, uh, the uh the telephone the telephone the, the, the lamp the iron so many different things that we have done but we sometimes don't know about it or it's whitewashed we literally are at the we literally sit at the foundation of this country physically spiritually mentally and innovatively and so we just we first have to appreciate Black History Month for what it is. As long as you have people such as Donald Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Trumpism, the Trumpers out there, uh, I remember Lindsey Graham, right? The Lindsey Graham's, the Tea Parties, um, and unfortunately, people like Tim Scott, people like uh, uh, Ben Carson, people like um, what's the young guy's name, Austin Chin. That's mm -hmm. up in Michigan. Who decided who who's running on the platform that he's going to get rid of black history, black history right? Yeah. And, and so, as long as you have these people out there, you have to appreciate Black History Month, and you have to do everything you can to preserve it. And so, for me, I started this years ago, uh, Sam. I think it was 2012, 2012, 2013. I just started posting people, and I made it a I made it a point that I wanted people to know that there we are we are we are always doing something. And now I, I post people who are relevant that we know, not just people in black and white, because black history is not is more than Phyllis Wheatley and the Sojourner Truths and the Nat Turners and the black and white painted uh, pictures that we see. Literally, black history is what you and I are doing at this very moment right now as we continue to educate our people on the advancements that we are doing, we have done, and that we will continue to do. And we cannot stop, and that cannot stop. And the, another thing I wanna also point out is Black History Month is not for us. It's not. The, the need to educate our history and the need for people to know what Black people have done, that's not for Black people. We know, we know what we are, we know mm -hmm. who we are. I was I was about to cuss for a second. Uh, Let it ring, son. Let it ring. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. No, I was going to say, look, we know we, we know we're the shit. We do. And so, it's for those white people out there who don't know 
anything about us who just assume that we're still the property that the constitution originally regarded us for. Mm -hmm. And so we have to keep that in mind that Black History Month is not just for us. It is for them. It is for white people. It is for the people who did not even want us to be in this place where we are right now. That constitution wasn't for us. That's why that con that's why the constitution is the way that it is. I, I tweeted this the other day, how Sarah Haynes from The View, she made a statement that the constitution is so airtight when it comes to legal proceedings, when it comes to how to do everything. It's literally the perfect blueprint on how to handle every single issue that we see in this country. Literally, mm -hmm. you can use the constitution for everything. Because yeah. from issues such as abortion, um, issues such as voter suppression, foreign policy, the Constitution is the blueprint for everything. But that's why they did not want us to be free. That's why they didn't want us. They didn't want us to know about our um, how educated we were. They didn't want us to know about the advancements that we made uh, years ago. They didn't want us to know about our ancestors who were slaves, who were still able to educate others. The advancement that HBCUs have made. They don't want us to know about all of that because right. the Constitution was not designed for us. It was not made for us. It was We weren't even supposed to be a part of it because you still had slaves in the Constitution. Francis Scott Key didn't write that Star Spangled Banner for us. And, so, and so we have to just remember and know when you know better, you will do better. And we have to know and respect and preserve the idea that Black History Month, Month must be preserved, must be protected, and it must be commemorated every chance we get. Definitely. Um, I definitely want to se segue into something real quickly. Have you seen the amazing film Judas and the Black Messiah? Have you saw it yet? Oh, my gosh. I haven't yet. Okay, so... I, and that's okay because so, it just came out. I'm, I can yeah. only be mad for all of two seconds because I got to see it before and I've watched it again this weekend. It is something that is required, and I'm grateful that they are telling a story that I'm not knows people. Go ahead. I just going to say before before my black card tries to get pulled, <laughs> I'm never the one to go see anything initially. I only did that one time for Black Panther, but I do not see anything initially, and that's just because. You know, um, I'm big. I have a lot going on, but I, it's on my list. We will it's wrap about that soon for those I that might, are listening. I might go and watch. I might go and pull up HBO Max tonight. Just so Please I do. But actually, do not watch it before you go to sleep. I will say this: don't make okay. it your last thing you see because you will be up tossing and turning all night. It is that powerful. It's that telling. And for those that are on the live right now, for those that are going to be listening to this podcast, um, you have to see this. This is a must-see, um, top to bottom, from start to finish. And the fact that it's a true story in front of American history that isn't readily talked, especially when it comes about the Black Panthers and how they compared them to the KKK, which wasn't the case at all. Um, you really have to watch this film. Please, please make sure. Fun fact. Fun fact that I don't know a lot of people know, the Black Panther Party it actually was originated not in California, but it was actually originated in Lowndes County, Alabama, literally the neighboring county right next to us. And I don't think a lot of people know that. More black history we're giving you right now <laughs> on the follow-up. 
on the What Do I Do Now podcast. Collins, you got to let the people know how they can find you, how they can reach you outside of just clicking the follow button right now. Listen, y'all, I, I say it all the time. I'm all over social media. Uh, please follow me on Instagram. By, you can literally click the top button right up there, CP3 underscore 820. I'm on Facebook and uh, Twitter as well, at cpedalway 3 Once again, at cpedalway 3 I got a website too. You can go to my website, collinsp3.com. That's C-O-L-L-I-N-S-P-3.com. There's information about myself. There's information about my blog that I have. There's information about my communications firm that you can find there. You can also find other uh, things that I've done and also about my own podcast that I'm excited about preparing to launch in a couple of months as well. So, hey, man, lots lots going on. You're moving. You're making things happen. It is always a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend, my brother. Um, It's just wonderful to catch up and actually talk real talk, real politics and just – reality for you know being black in america but um again this is another episode of what do i do now is going to be available tonight uh, if you missed any parts of it and um we will catch up soon man yes sir looking forward to it i'll talk to you soon absolutely y'all take it easy